Welcome to Used and Abused the Music Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. And this is episode 42. Today, we're going to be talking about the Dirt movie review. Before we do, we have a little housekeeping to attend to. On episode 41, Kim's solo episode that was, Kim did say that the name of the host of Up and Vanished podcast was Lindsay Payne. When in fact, his name is Pin, Pain, oh, Pin, oh my gosh, Payne Lindsay. Also on episode 40, I forgot to say Tara's last name correctly, which is Grinstead. Tara Grinstead is the case, cold case that they did on episode or on the Up and Vanish podcast for the first season. Kim mentioned that it was a cold case, just an FYI. Tara went missing on October 22nd, 2005. The first arrest was made February 23rd, 2017 of Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes. No relation to Ryan, but they were buddies in high school. Was arrested March 3rd, 2017. Up and Vanished premiered on August 7th, 2016. And did you catch the hint that Kim gave at the end of episode 41? Working. For the weekend. Well, if you didn't put it together, then that is a song by the rock band Loverboy. This is the end of the housekeeping. Now let's find out what is. This day in music history. Today is April 5th, 2019. And in 1959, the Fleetwood sing their current number one hit, Come Softly to Me, on the Ed Sullivan show. The song was written as Come Softly, but the owner of Dolphin Records, Bob. Reisdorf added to me because he thought the original title might be considered risque and would not receive radio play. It's interesting to note that the title phrase never appears in the song's lyrics. 1969, These Eyes by the Guess Who enters the Billboard chart on its way to number six. A month later, guitarist Randy Bachman wrote the basic piano chords with an original title of These Arms. Vocalist Burton Cummings changed the title to These Eyes and added the middle eight bars. 1979, Duran Duran made their live debut at the Lecture Theater, Birmingham Polytechnic. And in 1999, three of Tammy Wynette's daughters filed a $50 million lawsuit that blamed Wynette's death on negligence by her husband and her doctor. 2009. Donald Trump fires TLC member Tion Watkins, better known by her stage name, T-Boz, in the sixth week of the Celebrity Apprentice Season 8. Winners at the 44th Annual Academy of Country Music Awards included Entertainer of the Year and Top Female Vocalist, Carrie Underwood, top male vocalist, Brad Paisley, top vocal group, Rascal Flatts, top vocal duo, Sugarland, top new artist, Julianne Ho, top new male artist, Jake Owen, top album of the year went to Taylor Swift for Fearless, and vocal event of the year went to Brad Paisley and Keith Urban for Start a Band. Wow, that was a great great music history now you guys can let us know um on kim's last episode she would we kind of started seeing where we would go after we read the current that like 1959 
if we'd say that, then we'd go and in. If you like us the way we do that, or you just like us to just continue going on, I know we kind of hit and missed on it on this one, but um, if you like it, let us know. If not, maybe we'll just start including it and uh, see how, how it flows. All right. Anyways, let us know one way or another, you know, and again, you can find all those, all those social media links in our description of this podcast and also of each episode this week and music news March 29th. Actually, before you go on, before we go into that. Okay. So way we're going to do music news from here on out, what we do is we look, we look at the headlines of the day and we're going to choose what we feel, what we feel is the best headline for that day. So we will, you know, we'll use billboard magazine. We'll use uh variety. We'll use uh Loudwire, ultimate classic rock, uh, uh, the boot Nashville country daily. So we're going to use all these different uh, sites to get the music news of the day. And sometimes it may come out of Fox news or, or CNN too, but just so you know, that's how we're going to do it. And we're going to pick the best one. So again, most of the time you're only here one. If you have, if we have two, that's because we felt both of these meant something on that day. And that's why we include them. But more, more than likely you'll hear one from each day of the previous week in music news. Sorry, Kim. March 29th. Florida Georgia Line wanted to co-produce their album to expand their resumes. March 30th, the Rolling Stones announced today that the postponement of the North American League of their No Filter Tour, which had been scheduled to kick off in Miami on April 20th. According to the announcement, Mick Jagger, and I quote, has been advised by doctors that he cannot go on tour at this time as he needs medical treatment, end quote. The doctors have asked, advised Mick that he is expected to make a complete recovery so that he can get back on stage as soon as possible. The nature of his ailment was not revealed. Contacted by Variety, a rep for the group had, and I quote, no, no further information, end quote. March 31st. Former Van Halen bassist Mike Anthony ruled out a summer return to to the band, despite speculation that has linked him with a reunion in recent months. The possibility of Van Halen returning to the road for the first time since 2015 was first mentioned by frontman David Lee Roth in an interview last year when he said, and I quote, the group were planning a reunion thing for a stadium tour and end quote, quote, later former singer Sammy Hagar said, and I quote, that tentative discussions to include Anthony, but not Hagar, Hagar, Hagar on that tour had been placed, had taken place and later still reported that he was ready to put the circle, his current band featuring Anthony, on hold if the Van Halen tour went ahead. Anthony last played with Van Halen's ha- Hager, Hagar. Front- Hagar. God, you got me doing it. <laughs> fronted lineup in 2004, and with the and with the Roth fronted version of the group in 1984. Eddie offered an update via a comment on one of his Instagram posts asked by a fan if the circle were going to going on hiatus as many expected. He he replied, and I quote, VH tour, not going to happen. End quote. 
it was not clear whether he meant his own involvement or the entire project. In 2017, Anthony said he he could see, and I quote, some kind of proper closure or something in a reunion, end quote, in a reunion, adding, and I quote, I am, I'm not sure. Everybody in the band is still relatively healthy and alive. So there's one thing right there. I personally am through with all of the drama that comes with everything. I want to go out, play music, and have a good time. I want to go, I want to go to my grave happy, a happy guy, end quote. Speaking before Anthony's latest comments, Hagar said, and I quote, if there was an opportunity for him to go play in Van Halen again, just to mend that up, just to keep that sour note from being on his in his head for the rest of his life, he has my blessing. I can tell you straight up right now, there has been nothing confirmed, end quote. Okay, real quick, side note, sidebar on that one real quick. Okay, so Michael Anthony is the original bass player of Van Halen. He was originally in the band from when the band first started all the way through, uh, I think it was like 2004 or five or somewhere in there. Um, then he went on and, and has worked with Sammy in uh, Sammy Hagar's different projects since that time. And on their last reunion tour, they actually used... Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang, as the bass player on their last reunion tour, which kind of rubbed fans the wrong way, but the fans still went out and paid. They went paid for the concerts. They still went to the concert because they reunited with Roth. So here's my thing to you fans. If you are against something, in other words, you didn't like, don't want Wolfgang being the bass player in Van Halen, then you need to vote with your pocketbook. Vote with your wallet. Don't pay for the tickets. Don't go to the show. Don't pay for something that you don't want. If you pay for it, you are telling the band, we're cool with it. That's all I'm going to say there. April 1st, a Rolling Stones tour postponement officially attributed last week to an unspecific health concern for Mick Jagger. It's It's due to the need for heart surgery for the senior, according to multiple reports. Jagger, 75, is set, geez, we 75 years old. He needs to quit. I'm sorry. The whole band Rolling Stones need to quit. I, this is just my opinion. Anyways, Jagger, 75, is set to have heart valve replacement surgery, surgery today in New York City. That's April 5th, by the way. With the expectation of a full recovery that will allow him to resume touring as soon as this summer, according to the Judge report. Rolling Stone reported that it had confirmed the details published by Drudge. And that's by Rolling Stone magazine. Questions about the seriousness of the condition grew among fans, even as a relaxed-looking Jagger was photographed playing with his son in the surf in Miami Beach over the weekend. Page six additionally reported that Jagger is due to have a stent placed in his heart. And I quote, "You can be back at work within weeks." End quote. After such a procedure, they quoted a source as saying, "And I quote, but it could be it could be because the health checks all." are all set into the insurance for the tour. Maybe they're being careful. A big disappointment for everyone. Get, end quote. The gu- guitarist Keith Richards tweeted last week following the postponement announcements. 
and I quote, but things need to be taken care of and we will see you soon. Mick, we are always there for you, end quote. Jagger, again, that was another, that was a tweet by Keith Richards. Jagger himself said in a statement at the time, and I quote, I really hate letting you down like this. I'm devastated for having a having to postpone the tour, tour, but I will be working very hard to be back on stage as soon as I can, end quote. The North American Stadium Tour that was canceled was scheduled to run from April 20th to July 29th. Also on April 1st. Guns N' Roses bass Duff McKagan recalled thinking his reunion with Axl Rose was over. Just three songs when the frontman broke his foot during their comeback show. The incident took place at the band's warm-up show on April 1st, 2016 at the Troubadour in West Hollywood, just ahead of a 21-date tour that was continually extended until it finally wound down in December 2018. Rose managed to avoid canceling performances with the help of Dave Grohl, who lent him the throne he built after suffering a similar injury the previous year, and I quote, We had a wonderful, amazing two-and-a-half-year tour we just did, and it ended on such a high note. And it was overwhelming how many people came to see those shows we played. 159 shows, end quote. McKagan told the Rich Rich Eisen show, and and I quote, "We we played the troubadour and Axel broke his foot like, like third song in and i thought well we've got this one this one show under our belt we did this thing and he wanted to continue on he was like this isn't gonna stop me we played a bunch of shows with him in a cast in a chair and we just went through so many revelations of things and ended that on a high note and that's where we're we're That's where we're still at, end quote. In another recent interview, McKagan discussed the possibility of new Guns N' Roses material, saying Rose had revealed some, and I quote, magnificent and and really cool stuff, end quote. He refused to go into any detail, though, Asked if he had an update to offer, he said, and I quote, I will say things are very positive in that world. I did say, I did say something about an interview people are super interested in that, and I understand why. I do like the mystique factor of the band, and I shall keep it there, but things are positive. Things are great, end quote. McKagan will release a new solo album, Tenderness, on May 31st, April 2nd. Eagles will play their 1976 album, Hotel California, in its entirety during two concerts at the MGM Garden, Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas later this year. The September 27th and 28th shows are billed as the band's only North American performances of 2019. Don Henley, Joe Walsh, and Timothy B. Schmidt will be joined by Vince Gill and Dinkin Fry for the shows, as they have been since the 2016 death of founding member Glenn Fry. 
because the hotel album hotel california album clocks in at less than 44 minutes the eagles will also perform a greatest hits set at these two shows three of the classic lp songs hotel california life in the fast lane and new kid in town were played at each stop of the band's most recent tour and presumably at every single Eagles show since the album's release. As for the rest of the Hotel California songs, according to setlist.fm, Try and Love Again hasn't been performed live by the group since November 5th, 1979 at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Wasted Time was last heard on November 21st, 2005, and Pretty Maids All in a Row on July 29th, 2015. The Last Resort was played at the at each of the band's three 2017 classic East West Northwest appearances, while Victim of Love last turned up on July 17, 2018. Tickets for the show, the Vegas show, go on sale to the public on April 12th, with prices starting at $179, not including applicable service charges and fees. You can get complete information on various exclusive pre sales at the band's official website. In honor of Loretta Lynn's 87th birthday on April 14th, a number of artists took part in her all-star birthday celebration concert at Nashville's Bridgestone Arena on April 1st, including Alan Jackson, Brandy Clark, Darius Rucker, Garth Brooks, George Strait, Jack White, Casey Musgraves, Keith Urban, Little Big Town, Margot Price, Martina McBride, Miranda Lambert, Pistol Annie's, Trisha Yearwood, and more. But Keith Urban took the cake as Cam led the crowd in a rendition of Happy Birthday, a, three a three-tiered cake, which was fake, was wheeled onto the stage. As the song concluded, Keith sprang from the cake, fulfilling Loretta's tongue-in-cheek birthday wish. A little backstory. When the concert was announced in January, Loretta Lynn said, and I quote, I am so excited to celebrate my 87th birthday with all my friends. This is the first time I've ever had a birthday party. My birthday wish has come true. The only other wish I have is that Keith Urban jumps out of my birthday cake, end quote. After Nash Country Daily posted Loretta's wish via Twitter, Keith Urban responded by saying, and I quote, at Loretta Lynn, your wish is always my command, Miss Loretta, end quote. It actually says, it was actually KU that was being signed by Keith Urban, end quote. April 3rd. The release of an expanded version of Tom Petty's Wildflowers is reportedly in limbo due to a legal battle between the senior's widow and his two daughters. According to the legal filings obtained by TMZ, Petty's widow, Dana York Petty, planned to include unreleased tracks from the 1994 album's recording sessions in a 25th anniversary box set, but she said she was blocked by Petty's daughters from a previous marriage. Adrian Anakim, who said the timing for such a release wasn't right. She also claimed that the daughters had made managing her late husband's business impossible and has asked a judge to appoint a day-to-day -day manager for the estate. In a separate petition submitted to a probate court, Adria said that she and her sister were promised an equal share 
of control in their father's estate by his will. She also claimed that her stepmom had failed to take her father's, and I quote, artistic property, end quote, out of his trust and placed it into a separate company that would be jointly administrated, administrated by all three women, as required. Anna Kim also, also appeared to reference the battle on her Instagram account, account, posting the photo of her father with a caption, and I quote, we don't sell out, no vampires 2019, end quote, and later adding the hashtags, I go by my father's will and no vampires in the comments section. According to producer Rick Rubin, Petty completed, and I quote, between 26 and 28 songs, end quote, for Wildflowers, and originally intended to release the record as a double album. He was instead convinced by his label to trim the work down to a single record. Several songs from the sessions, sometimes in re-recorded versions, later turned up as B-sides or on Petty and Heartbreakers, 1996, she's the one soundtrack. In 2015, Petty released the song Somewhere Under Heaven from the Wildfire Session and indicated that the remaining tracks would be released as a collection called Wildflowers, All the Rest. But neither a release date nor a track listing for the project was ever announced before Petty's 2017 death. Let's sidebar for a minute. Because this is something where you've got his widow against his two daughters. And the problem is, is they're not hurting themselves. Who they're hurting, they're hurting his, I mean, they're, they're all worried about his, his like, like the daughters are all worried about his legacy and stuff. I mean, I, I read in, in, uh, on another one on Variety where they've actually even gone as far as we don't want to include and the Heartbreakers. Excuse me, it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah, that's what it he- is. It's just Tom Petty, I'm sorry. No, it's everybody knows them as Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. And all they're doing is they're they're hurting his like they're hurting his fans. They're hurting his fans completely. His fans would buy buy this in a heartbeat, but because of their squabbling and can't come together to say, you know what, our father originally wanted this released as a double album. Let's friggin' release it. You know, instead let's let's fight about it in court. Yeah. That- so all you're doing is you're hurt you're hurting your your father's fans. And by doing that, you're eventually going to hurt his damn legacy because eventually he is going, people are going to finally say, you know what, I'm not buying this crap because it's going to go to them anyways. And obviously the two daughters are nothing but a bunch of little royal, royal uh, spoiled little brats. Just my, my opinion. Yes, I agree. Anyways, otherwise, man, that was a week in, that was a, it was definitely a week for music news. Holy crud. It was. All right. So here we go. We're going to get into this main topic. We're going to get into the dirt movie review. Now, I know we talked about originally I was going to, we were going to uh, go against the, you know, had the book. We're going to go back and forth between the book. But I think uh, by one of our test runs at this, it, it really came out long probably longer than what we wanted it to. So we'll see where this ends up and we'll go from there. But I think we'll just make this a two part, even if it is only a 45 minute show, um, we'll end up making this a two part episode where next week part two will be the breakdown of some scenes versus the movie, but we're going to bring things up. I mean, we're going to talk about stuff because there's a lot of stuff. that's way out of line. 
But anyway, let's, let's get into this dirt movie review. Let's first of all, let's get the rating. Kim, what's the rating? TVMA, mature audiences only. That is for dang sir. Oh, okay, yeah. I know we're gonna try like hell. Hell's not really a bad word anymore. We're gonna try like hell not to go overboard. If we do, obviously you will hear a there will be a warning in the beginning of this added added to the beginning of this podcast. If you didn't hear a warning about bad language or have the little E, then you know it's not we we didn't go overboard with it, but we may. <laughs> yes, we may. All right. Well, the genre is, of course, biopic, a music biopic. Um, setting, time and time of the movie. 1981 through 2015. Place? Los Angeles, California. Also, there's what, 1967-ish in Seattle, Washington. Yes, there is. So, or something like that. All right. So, flat out, summary of the movie. I mean, obviously. It's the formation of Motley Crue. It's uh, Nikki meeting Mick, Tommy, Mick, and eventually getting Vince, how they formed a band, how they came together as a band, through, and then their, their successes, their tragedies, the ups and downs of, of living this decadent life, and a lot of the stuff, you know, a, lot of, a few things that went on during some of their tours. Oh, you mean like furniture going out the window? Well, that or Tommy being handcuffed to the bed. Yes, Tommy was handcuffed to the bed. <laughs> or Nick, Nikki or Vince Boinkin friggin' Thomas Utah's girlfriend. Yes. And Nikki Boinkin. Tommy Lee's, Tommy Lee's fiance. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, which, which I, that seems kind of interesting. But anyways. So it, it's really just an eye-opening look into what was the 1980s. I mean, really was. Yes. Yes, it is. It's exactly what went on in the 1980s. For those of us who had bought the magazines Metal Edge, Circus, Hit Parader, uh, Rolling Stone, we, a lot of these stories were already told. Because the one thing about crew was when they gave interviews, they didn't shy away from, oh, yeah, we, you know, like, I mean, just to bring up one scene real quick, that scene where Nikki asked Vince, you know, how many girls have you slept with? Uh, and he says three. He goes, no, man, not just today on this tour. That's a really true story. Yeah, because they were on tour with Ozzy at that time for Bark at the Moon. Right. And then, of course, you know, there's some things, you know, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, is there anything else you can think to add to the summary? Because remember, besides the tragedies, you know, obviously the major tragedies are are Vince Vince's um, car wreck, uh, Nikki Odean, and then uh, Vince losing Skyler, and then Skyler dying, and then um, just before that, Vince being kicked out of Motley Crue or getting fired, one of the two, um, and uh, then the breakup of Heather and Tommy. And then, of course, Mick and his um, disease. Yes. So, I mean, it, it. while there's a lot of high of highs, man, I don't mean just by drugs. There's a lot. I mean, Motley Crue really went through a lot of lows. Yes, they and did. And if you think back to a lot of the music, you know, from that era, especially by them, you know, they really 
didn't bring it out in their songs. No, they didn't. And just a little side note here. For those of us that weren't able to read Prater, Metal, all the... Hip Prater, Hip Metal Pr- Age, Circus. Yeah, all those magazines. For someone at, like myself, I was actually really, really interested in watching this show. It really opened my eyes on what this band really went through during the 1980s. And of course, Scott helped me out a lot on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily for me, even though we did grow up in a small town, there were a few places you could buy Hit Parader, Metal Edge, and Circus Magazine. Thank goodness for that. I mean, obviously I never got like Crane because that was overseas. Um, and I never got cream magazine and Rolling Stone. Obviously we can get those even at our high, our high school library too. So a lot of that I seen through there. Um, but yeah, I never like subscribed to any of them. I really wish I would have, but, and then eventually came out, uh, a magazine called blast, which they, uh, you had, they had regular magazine stuff, but they also, a lot of times they did just, just posters, big old posters you could post on your wall. So uh, those are the main ones I remember from back in the day, um, from back then. So it's kind of cool. So, I mean, that's kind of a brief summary of the movie. You know, without really giving away too much. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just the, the formation of Motley Crue and, you know, their, a little bit of their backstory. I mean, obviously, you go back with Nikki to his home life, Tommy's home life. Really don't touch on Vince or Mick's home life. That's true. It doesn't. But you really, the main one was mainly Nikki's. I mean, as far as the story, it's mainly narrated or told from the point of view of Nikki, while the book is actually narrated by, is literally done by all four members with all their commentary in between. Yeah, because each of the four members contributed something to the book and you can see that anyway well yeah they for can, the part of the book that i read you can see the contribution right, of each member because they, they contributed through each era of the band yeah um about the only part you really don't have a lot of you know like vince doesn't do a lot of commentary is through the ninth 94 after he got fired in the 94 album but anyways you know so uh well kim we'll start off with you here um who is your favorite character you know I honestly liked all of the characters in the movie. Okay, why? Because they they portrayed the they portrayed the people. Okay, you're talking about the actors. Yes. We're talking about characters. Yes. So characters, we're talking about, you know, Nikki, Mick, Vince, Tommy, Doc, all uh, of Tom Zutat, uh, Heather Locklear, Roxy, um Well, some of those some squirting chick. Um yeah, I mean, it's kind of everything, you know. Uh, well, I don't really have any favorites. So you don't I have like, a favorite character? No, I liked them all. They There's all... not one character you just kind of went, wow, or, or you know, I gravitate towards that character. No, there really wasn't. I really liked all, all right, of the characters. Well, unfortunately for me, and it's not really unfortunately, I already knew that I knew this probably going in, that the character I would be gravitate or my favorite character would be, and it, it is obviously my, been my, he's been my idol for years, is Nikki Six. And a lot of it is because of all the, ter- I mean, especially with the movie and even in the book, there's a lot of turmoil going on. You know, you see a lot of stuff that he's fighting, you know, fighting the demons with uh, the 
alcohol, the drug abuse. Um, and then the fact that he is pretty much the leader of the band. I mean, he, it's like Nikki and then the rest of them, rest of them are controlled as and Nikki's pretty much a dictator of Motley Crue. It, and it has always been that way. It, it's never really, I mean, they're a band, but when it really boils down to it, it's Nikki six. Yeah. I noticed that. Well, and I think a lot of that had to do with a lot of it had to do the control factor had to do with, uh, being in other bands where he didn't, he wasn't the main control. Yeah. And, like, yeah. You know, like London. Well, oh, London's one of them, but I mean, uh, there there's other bands he, he did early on where, you know, he didn't have a lot of the control in him. And I honestly think that's what shaped him to say, well, when I make my, when I make this, my next band, I will be the one in control. Yeah. Cause he had the vision of, how, of to make it work, to make it go farther than any other bands he had he had participated in up until he he had founded Motley Crue. Right. And just to sidebar real quick, just to give it a little context here. Motley Crue Inc. only has two owners. Yeah. And those two owners are Nikki Six and Mick Mars. Yeah, that's technically did. the only two members of Motley Crue that never left Motley Crue. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Vince was gone for the ninety four album. And Tommy was gone for the new tattoo album. That's true. He was. So technically the, so when it comes down to it, Mick Mars and Nikki six are only two full members of Motley Crue. That never left that stick that sticked with, that stuck with the band and from beginning to their final tour. Right. And well, okay, Kim, um, let's just go ahead and hit with this next one. Did you like the movie? I did like the movie. It, and why? It opened my eyes on a lot of what, actually happened what motley crew actually went through not only in their personal lives but also life on the road life as a band it was it was just really really enjoyable to watch and really really educational <laughs> educational huh <laughs> yeah that that's uh, yes educational <laughs> okay um and of course i like the movie i mean i love the band so even though, even though there's a lot of stuff taken out of out of context, and we'll, we're going to get into that in a minute, um, and there's a lot of extra stuff. One of the things I like the most out of this movie is a lot of the breaking of fourth wall, and like the point where they're at the apartment. And see, the thing about that apartment was that Mick Mars didn't live there. No, he didn't. He actually lived with his girlfriend in another part of town. Yeah. It was Nikki, Vince, and Tommy that lived at that, at that apartment. It wasn't Mick. Yeah. But the one point where Doc McGee knocks somebody out and says, hey, you need a manager, you know, and Mick, they, Ewan, Car the guy, the actor Ewan, looks over, looks back, at, he's the one playing McMars. He looks back and says, well, you know, this actually didn't happen like this then he goes through and says we met doc and his partner D doug thayer at um the santa monica theater or santa monica auditorium which technically motley crew was not touring was not going there behind or with uh electric at the time i believe they hadn't signed a deal with electric records yet so and or maybe they just barely signed but they were still touring off the back of their leather records version, their or leather leather records version, their release of Too Fast for Love before Electra got it and screwed it up. And for those of you that don't understand or what don't know about that, um, 
the great thing is, is guess what? On this podcast, I've already, we were, I've already, t- well, I would like to say we, but we didn't touch it because you weren't doing the podcast yet with me. Um, but I did touch on Motley Crue's Too Fast for Love album early in my run. Matter of fact, it was episode number three, released May, almost a year ago, May 11th of last year. But in that one there, I actually do take a lot of stuff out, a lot of stuff from the Dirt book and talk about the book or talk about the release of of the uh, of uh, Too Fast for Love. So, and that's the other thing too. And that's where we're going to get into a lot, but well, we're not there yet, but I did really like this movie. Um, and one thing I did do a lot, and this is one thing I, I really suggest if you're a fan of Motley Crue and you have read the book, The Dirt, shut your mind off with The Dirt book. Do not go in there with the assumption or the knowledge of the book. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've talked about it before on this podcast, but I've, I've done that before uh, with a Harry Potter book. Uh, it was, with, I think, Prisoner of Azkaban or one of them, where I read the book, went to the theater, all the way home, all the way going home from the theater, I ripped apart the movie, saying, well, this should have been edited, that should have been edited, this wasn't right, or this, you know, and again, it ruined the, it actually ruined the experience for me a little bit, you know, because, but the thing is, is, is you know, you've got to look at a book as a different entity, you know, and that's any movie, any movie made from a book into a TV show. Now, we haven't watched it yet, but we, are huge fans of the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Yes. And that is what? A seven or eight books? Seven books. Seven books. And then the technically the movie, from what I remember Stephen King talking about about it, was that was actually gonna be what would have been the eighth book. It's supposed to be the eighth book, and that's why the fans all ripped it apart because it wasn't like the original first book. Well, you you know, people's got to realize, and I guess some don't, is there's not always going to be exact mirror images that appear on the silver screen as well, in the book due to well, time constraints. Well, not just due to time constraints. Um, let's well, you want to take something in, ex- in exact. What about Disney? You know, their Alice in Wonderland cartoon. Yeah, that's versus true. the original book. Yeah. Big difference. Very big difference. You know, so again, you know, movies are visual. You know, it really does suck when these when these on these movies where they put based on the true story as told as in the dirt book. I really wish they'd say on every freaking one of them loosely based on the book. That way, or even even on other you know even other movies, you know, like the. You know, I mean, I know you got you and your sister were very huge fans of the Twilight series. Again, there's a lot of stuff in there that they didn't get into the movies. No, they didn't. And then there was one movie in particular that they added something that wasn't even in the book, but it actually made the movie really good and interesting because then you knew. I mean, you had that visual of exactly that vision. Well, that's because the books were written from. Bella's point, point of, view, of view, yeah, and not including all these character point of views. Where in the movies, you've got to kind of include the character, all the characters' point of views. Yeah, you do. All right, all right. So again, back get down. Would I recommend this movie? Yes. Oh hell yes, I'll recommend this movie. 
And the main reason is if you're not a fan, even if you're not a fan of Motley Crue, you get an idea of what it takes to, to come up with a band. You get an idea of what, what, what kind of hardships there are going through. And then is fame and fortune really top of the line? Is it really the thing, you know, is it really, you know, we, we all think about the money, but does money really buy us happiness? No, not really. You know, so. Well, you can. Would you recommend the movie? Yes, I would. I would recommend it for people to watch. Even, you know, just to piggyback on what he said, even if you're not a Motley Crue fan, or even if you've, even if you've been introduced to Motley Crue by somebody else, you know, um, watch the movie. It is really good and explains a whole lot. Okay. Now, where I think this will come kind of break this into a lot. Out of context. Yes, there was many scenes that were taken out of context. Well, not just not just out of context. But combined. Okay, we watched it. What we just watched it again last night. Yeah, we did. And you pointed something out to me. Now, see, the nice part is the more and more you watch it, the more you start paying attention to stuff going behind the scenes or, you know, what they're wearing and stuff like that, right? Yes. Okay, so what's the one thing you noticed right off the bat watching it last night? Tommy Lee had a shirt that said Hulkamania. Okay, and that was supposed to be in 1981. Yes. Yet when I looked it up online, Hulkamania didn't start until December of 84. Yeah, so that was three years before Hulkamania even entered the scene. Okay, but you got to remember, Motley Crue kind of pretty much came together January of 81. That's true, they did. So, you know, you're... But again, it's still, yes. Okay, so there's one thing that's wrong. You know, one thing, and that's not really out of context of the book. That's just something that's placed wrong for the movie. One of the other things that's placed wrong for the movie is that Billy Squire song that uh, Rock Candy is singing in when they go first meet Vince. That's and that true. There, there's something completely out of context. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, when Motley Crue. They had another lead singer. His name was his last name was Odin. He wore these white gloves. Wouldn't take the gloves off to clap. And so they Tommy remembered a friend of his from high school. That part was kind of correct. Was him and Vince did know each other previously. But they went to the Starwood, and that's actually where they showed Motley Crue's first concert was at, and saw Vince singing in Rock Candy. Then Mick Mars. Made the comment, I don't care if he can sing, but the way he shakes them hips and gets them and makes those girls go goo goo gaga, I want him in this band. Yeah, that's true. You so did point that out to me. Tommy then gives Vince a tape and his phone number. And Tommy's like, or Vince is like, oh, you know, like he, like he even said in the movie, I'm not calling him. You know, and Vince did not until they went to a, a, another party, a backyard party, and Vince and I think their drummer. One of the two were they were the only two members of Rock Candy to show up at this party they're supposed to play at. And then he ends up calling someone else. Oh, man, I've cut my hair off and we're going to become New Wave. And so at that point there, he ended up calling Tommy, who, again, pretty much it was his last straw to go see, to try to be in Motley Crue. And he went and auditioned and, you know, the rest is, you know, Kiss has history. This is crew, crew, crew history. That's true. It <laughs> I is. Come up with something better than that. <laughs> but that so that's one thing. Um, another thing would also be the fact that 
Mick, or not Mick Mars, um, Vince Neal did not meet Sharice during the Shouts of Devil tour. No, he never met Sharice until Girls, Girls, Girls tour. Well, it was actually before the Girls, Girls tour. Okay. It was actually, it was actually um, right after the, right after, pretty much right after he got out of jail. Oh, okay. After he served his little, you know, 30, 19 days of 30 days. And we'll talk about that too, because that's out of, that accident itself is out of context. But he, that's when he, he met her. I mean, she is, yes, she was a mud wrestler. Okay. That's plain and simple. It was said enough. I don't remember what the heck I was going to look up my, up my phone, but I grabbed it and then put it away. Um, but he met her at a med, med wrestling thing. Um, she is actually in the music field for Girls, Girls, Girls. Yes, so she actually is. So it had to be, it had to be probably right after they filmed, or right, before, right as the album finished up. Again, um, I think we're going to do an actual against the movie book thing next week. And so I'll make sure I have the exact, I'll have all the quotes out of the book. But again, it was not before it was not before theater pain. He she wasn't pregnant with Skyler in, in 1984 because Skyler dies at four years old after he's out of Motley Crue in 92. Yeah. So right there just tells you, you know, things are, you know, again, I understand they have to do this stuff. Okay. It's it's an hour and 48 movie. They've got it, they've got to get all these events in. But the problem is is you're adding events in out of context which in my book is really wrong because of the fact that you're going to have people who have never read the book, The Dirt. You're going to have non-fans actually checking this out. And they may become fans of the band and really get into it. But if they don't go and buy The Dirt itself to find out the differences, they're going to assume this movie is, you know, straight on, straight up, right to the T. And then, Molly, you know, diehard crew fans like myself We'll be arguing the next 20 freaking years of our lives about, no, this is when this happened. Yeah, that's true. So, as, and again, you know, Sky, like I said, Skylar was four years old. And she was like uh, either 89 or 90, somewhere in, you know, somewhere in there before she passed away. Uh, and when she didn't die in 92, but Vince left the band in 92. So it would be somewhere right in that area where, you know, I think she died in 95. So about 91 I mean, when she was born roughly in there again i am not looking this stuff up to verify it we're just kind of again we're, i like to do we're, we're just trying something new off the top of our head typing with a little bit of bullet point notes in our brain yes we are we'll we'll clarify any information when we do the book next right week. so then they show vince getting out of jail to go and record theater pain yeah, that was out of context too. Bingo, because Theodore Payne was, and that's the reason why he didn't serve, um, serve time at the time because, or right after it happened, because of the fact that the band was getting ready to go on tour, and for him to pay the two point six million dollars to all three parties, he was going to have to be on tour to make the money. So they put his. He didn't go into jail until June of eighty six. Which was following the tour. Which was after the Fear of Pain tour because Fear of Pain came out in 85. Yes, it did. So, again, Vince Neil, you know, when, when that day he tried Smack, um, I believe that was going into the recording for Girls Goes Girls. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, so then we got, you know, and also Tommy and Heather got married at, right, either 
during right after right after Vince got out for uh, theater pain. Yeah, that didn't because they're all re- they that didn't happen either. That was out of context, right? According to the movie, it happened um, way after the after the girls' girls tour, and it was before girls' girls girls it was tour. after the, after girls' girls tour or while the girl yeah after girls' girls tour, but before Nikki died. Yeah, like, huh? Yeah. Um. So again, yes, that was way before that time of you know because it was actually in because again. If you actually look, you know, you actually look some of this stuff up, you'll find out that, oh, well, hey, guess what? They're in their uh, theater pain era look. You know, even though I know they're wearing tuxedos, they're still in their theater pain uh, gear. Yes, they are. Okay. And then the other thing is, too, Tommy's first wife, Roxy, the one that called his mom the C-word. And he eventually hit her. It was not on a tour bus. I'm going I'm to come back to Head of Lockwood in a minute. That was not on a tur- tour bus. I know they called her Roxy in the movie, but it wasn't Roxy. That actually happened um, in L.A. And they were going to some event. They were in a limo. Um, in the limo, was I'm not sure all who was in there, but Tom Zutat was in the limo from, was, from Electra. So was uh, Doug Thayer, I think it was, one of their managers. And she kept calling... What happened is like the day, the day or a little bit before him and her got in a fight at home. She actually stabbed him in the back of his, of his shoulder with a butter knife. Yeah, not a pen. And then he, she car, keeps calling her his mom the C word, and he's had it up and punches her and knocks her teeth down hit her throat. She is as they're driving off, she's literally spitting her teeth on the f- ground. They stop real quick. Tom Zutat runs out and helps her picks up her teeth. Anyways, him and Elaine were actually married in 84 and divorced in 85. And on May 10th, 1986, Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear were married, which then they divorced in 93, which is just before the 94 tour. Yes. Before, even, even before the 94 album comes out. Yeah. And talk about that one real quick is the fact that John Karabi in just recent interview has stated that when he was auditioning for the band, he turned and there were all these, the second day he came back, there were all these suits in there, you know, all the lawyers and all this stuff and all the record people. And he like looked at them, then turned the other way, looked the other side. And there was Heather Locklear and Brandy Brandt, which was Nikki's wife at the time. So he looked towards their, way because it was more eye, it was better eye candy <laughs> yes it was and he's saying that way because he didn't want to look at all the suits yeah but so again it, you know we're we're saying that in in that in that era they're saying after girls those girls when tommy and heather got married when no it wasn't now as far as the december what was it 23rd someone's in there um death of nikki they almost had it right um, they, you know, they did show a guy that looked like Slash. If you look real quick, either there is a guy that looks like, uh, maybe Duff McKagan or maybe even Robin Crosby when they first get into that scene. Um, I don't know about this context about them talking about Siamese cats. I don't recall that being in any of the books. And then there is the point where he tells them to do it. Or as Nikki says, like in the Motley crew behind the music and stuff. Fix me. 
Yes. And then he shoves it in, and Nikki dies right then, then and there. Then they get out into the um, limo. Nikki recalls a an out of body experience where he's floating above the ambulance. It's not moving. It's not driving anywhere when they're trying to do this. And the one one paramedic hits him with the adrenaline needle, hits him with another one, and actually hit him. I believe if I remember, the, and again, we'll have this more complex up for next week. But again. He, I believe he hit with both of them at the same time. Yeah. On each side of his chest. I will have to double check that with the, uh, with Motley Crue the Dirt and with the Heroin Diary book. Yes. Um, so again, and then of course, you know, Skyler is not around at this point yet. You know, yes, Vince does see it on the news that Nikki dies. I think he saw the news or maybe got, I think he did see it in the news. Mick got a, got a call and pretty much he was pissed off at Nikki. You know, um, Vince, it would hit him pretty hard, you know, but and then the only part I wish they would have added was Nikki going to the hospital and pretty much ripping everything out of his arms, checking himself out of the hospital. And then they kind of, this is where they got the wording kind of out of order because Nikki has pointed out that he, as soon as he got home, he got to the answer machine, hit the record and said, Hey, this is Nikki. I'm not home because I'm dead or I'm not here because I'm dead. Yeah. And then went into the into his closet and shot up again. Then and the, I'm happy they added this part in the movie. And again, they showed the needle sticking in his arm, the blood trail down into his palm, and that's where and but he said he looked at it and said, I can't stop. I can't stop. You know, so again, that was another thing taken out of context. Okay. Then we get to the fire the firing events is correct. However, Sharice didn't leave Vince until after he was fired from Motley Crue. That's true. Or quit from Motley Crue. One of the two. Yeah. And, of course, we didn't really do anything with John Karabi. No. Except for show them one time going on stage. Yeah. Which then by the time they get off that tour, they're showing, in the movie, they're showing Heather, you know, telling Tommy to move out. You know, you want your little porn star here. You can have her. We're done. Well, that happened, obviously, before Motley Crue, before the 94 album, or before the tour, I mean. Yes, it did. I mean, I just read, you know, it happened in 93. You know, so, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a point there, you know. Um, and then, they, and then during this whole time, they show Vince is just sitting in a bar. And he's not, because at this point, you told me he's on his solo career. Well, okay, so before, a year before, a year, his his thing was, once he got fired, he wanted to one year, a one year after the one year anniversary of being fired, he wanted to release a solo album, which he did called exposed. He had already released one song. Um, and that was for the Encino man soundtrack, which is kind of ironic. Cause also the screen was on that same soundtrack. Oh yeah. And that's actually the first time I heard the scream. And when I heard that it was going to be, you know, the scream lead singer, John Crabby was going to be the new lead singer, Motley Crue. I checked that song out with, um, I don't think this is going to work, but, I kept my mind open when the 94 album did come out finally. However, Vince, yes, did go. He had a solo album out. He, it was called Exposed. Then he went in and created another solo album called Carbon Stone, which before releasing that album, he inclu- included a song he had wrote for his daughter on her deathbed. And actually before her deathbed, because it, she was actually listening to this. It was called Skylar's song. She was actually listening to it the day she died 
Yeah, you, yeah, she was. You, you know, and again, that is in the dirt. Me. That's in the dirt. It's also in Vince's book, um, Tattoos and Tequila. And of course, we got Tommy's got his own book called Tommyland. Nikki's got the Heroin Diaries, which is just a year in Nikki's life. And but Tommy and Vince really went over kind of a a lot of their stuff in their books. And then of course, we're still waiting for Mick Mars to record re, to bring out a book. You got nothing to add? No, other than we did forget one thing. We're going to have to back up. What? All right, back up. That's the whole point of this out of context stuff. Okay, we, if I forget something, you can bring it up. Okay, we're going to back up a little, back up a little bit with the Razzle accident at and the party at, Redo- at Redondo Beach, Oh, yeah, Beach, I totally California. forgot about the party. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at the party, they show in the party scene. First of all, they show that's where Tommy met Heather. Wrong. Tommy met Heather because um, he went to a, an REO Speedwagon concert with his uh, accountant, Chuck Shapiro, who then introduced him to Heather. And it, and then he got her phone number from his, because his accountant's brother was a dentist, and he got the phone number from him and called her on the phone while he was watching Fall Guy on TV. So that part of the point where he did say, well, yeah, Fall Guy. And she's like, no, that's Heather Thomas. I'm Heather Locklear. Um, that part really did happen, but they did end up hanging out. So, but he did not meet her at that party in Redondo Beach in '84 because guess what? He was still married to Elaine. Or, yeah, he was. Or in the movie, they call her Roxy. Yeah. And another thing that you pointed out too was, uh, Nikki wasn't even at that Nick, party. He was overseas. Nikki had let right after the Shouts Double Tour. Nikki had jumped on a plane down to Miami. They load him up on the, him. I don't remember who it all was in there, but it was him. I almost want to say Robin Crosby was there too. But him and Robin and a few other guys, they went some like, you know, it was like Caribbean place. And all they did is, you know, shot up, got drunk, got had drugs, uh, had topless women serving him all, all around this pool and stuff. So he wasn't even there. So and Tom Zutop was not there. Sharice was not there because Vince at this time was still married to Beth. Yeah. So again, you know, and I understand, we, you know, this is part of the reason why I say this movie, this really should be made into at least a trilogy. If not even a five, even maybe almost maybe a double trilogy, six movies, because in my opinion, this is how you could have really done this. You could have went from 81 to 85. Four, um, about mid, you know, just before the party in eighty in eighty four, you could have had one movie focus on the party, you know, yes. and the death of Razzle. Still, yes. Then you come back with eighty five, the theater pain tour, uh, the whole tour there. Well, actually, no, wait. Um, no, I mean, okay, one would have been you could have went from eighty one through eighty five, so you would ha- had the you know the the accent in there. So movie two. I would say you do the everything leading up to the recording of Peter Payne. And you might even be able to squeeze that into the first movie. Then the second movie is the Heroin Diaries. Yeah, focus on the whole oh, freaking year here. of Nikki, and you you can include what the hell the band was doing at that time too. Yes, you what can. Each other member was doing, you know, and then because you're going to come off the Peter Payne tour, and you're going to go try in, into try to record Girls as Girls. Yes, you know, and then you're going to get to the point where you know eventually they pull him off the road and Nikki dies. Yes. Okay. Then you come back with your third movie. You have, you can go from, 
you know, rehab through the firing events. Yes. Then your fourth movie, you can go the firing events or, you know, the tour would be in the third movie. Yeah. And then come back with them trying to rehire Vince all the way up through the new chat, uh, just before a uh, riot at new tattoo tour. Yes, you could. And that's movie number four. Okay. Number five, then you can start going into the whole points of, Oh, well, Hey, Nikki six, you know, formed brides of destruction. Motley Cruz, no more. Tommy left the band. Randy Castillo came in for Nick, or actually that was on the last one. But anyways, you go through all this stuff about getting Motley Crue back together again for the 05 reunion tour, which started off with better, better, or the Red, White, and Crew better live than dead tour, then into the Carnival of Sins, which was eventually released on uh, CD, DVD, and Blu-ray. Then you focus on, you know, what was that, movie five? Five, yes. And then number six, you can go for the last 10 years. Yeah, Motley you Crue, could. Crew Fest 1, Crew Fest 2. Uh, some of the tours was Aerosmith and Poison um, and New York Dolls. Uh, the tour with Kiss, uh, all the way up through the end tour. Yes. Okay. And that could have been the, your six figure movies. Yes. Which that's they would have covered the career of Motley Crue. Yes, it would have. And I honestly think fans of the band, you know, Motley Crue fans would have been like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, the cool part of the band is. For like Douglas, you know, and you kept all these guys on. Doug, you know, Douglas Booth that played Nikki, Machine Gun, oh, Colson Barker who played Tommy, uh, Daniel Weber who played Vince. And again, I didn't really get into Daniel Weber, but um, there's sometimes where he was really pushing. And then you and I can't, I'm not, not going to try to pronounce, but hit the guy that played Mick. You can have them grow. You could include Doug Thayer and Doc McGee, you know, and have the fact that Doug Thayer is the one that got the entertainment or death tattoo on his arm not doc mcgee and the fact that doug thayer also got till death do us part tattooed on him which was going to be the 94 album title before they changed it to just motley crew yes anyways back to the redondo beach accident there was tommy lee his his wife elaine mick and his wife the thing as he called her um beth and um beth and vince and Hanoi Rocks drummer Nicholas Razzle Deanley at yes. that party. And then, of course, what they use for the car in the movie? A Corvette. Yes, and it instead was the Pantera. Instead of the Pantera. Again, you can make you can make a freaking car look like the Pantera and use the proper car. And then let's use the proper roads because the roads they show them driving on are four lanes. When actually, when I go look up where this actually happened, there's actually a YouTube video. Also, that some guy did, uh, some guy did, where he actually drove it. It's actually three lanes because you got a center lane and then two outside lane. You know, uh, outside lanes. Yes, you, know? you do. I. You know, it's yes. not four. It's not four lane or five lanes with the middle divider. You no, know, it's only three three total lanes. You get the middle where you can you know turn left or right if you need to, and then it's you know one lane north, going, one traffic going northbound, traffic going southbound. southbound. Yes. So again. That's just, you know, and, and there's a lot more out of context or a lot of scenes out of context because obviously when they go back to bring Vince back in the band, they didn't go to a bar and have a nice little powwow around the table. No, they you didn't. Know, um, again, I mean, I thought it was a great thing. I mean, it was a great scene in the movie because it kind of like what Nikki kind of really was going through um, eventually in actually around 05 
But then again, they, you know, again, there's nothing out of context. Mixed hip surgery. They show Tommy and Nikki going to pick him up. Well, mixed hip surgery didn't happen until 2004, not 1995. Because, I mean, if you think about it, at the end of the movie, it says for the last 20 years, Molly Crew has been together. Well, no, they haven't because they didn't get back together until 96. And they released uh, Generation Swine in 97. When then after that is when they got released by Electra because Sylvia Rome was an idiot. She sold them, gave them back their master tapes. Dumbass. Anyways, all right. Anything else that you can think of? I think I pretty well hit it all. Yeah, you pretty well hit it all. And then just then as the credits run, if you run through the credits and all the songs and stuff, right at the very end, it does state at the end that some of the events were fictionalized for the movie. True. It does say that at the end of it. And Oh, and that's the other thing. I mean, I need, that's not out of context, but the cool thing about the credits is the fact that they added scenes from the home video uncensored, which was really cool in my book. Yes, and they also compared the uh, looks that kill video too. Well, not just that, but they compared the original different stuff with the original Motley Crue versus what they recreated for the movie, with, which I thought was really cool because a lot of those scenes they did do really spot on. Yes, they did. So I'll give them that crap credit all right let's do our stars uh when we did our previous one we gave it we both gave it five out five stars out of five stars what kimberly after after everything adding every little bit of context you know all of, you know acting and what all that stuff in there what is your star rating come on Meltzer. i know i've got to think i'd say about four and a half stars you're gonna give it four and a half stars why well, because I understand that some of the scenes were out of context, but I also understand too that they had a certain time limit that they needed to adhere to. So I was, and I mean the act, the acting itself was magnificent. I liked the way the actors portrayed Nikki, Mick, and Tommy and Vince. I really did like the acting. Anything else? No. What about you? What about me? <laughs> well, I really thought about this and and really thought about it hard. I would love to say four and a half. I would love to say five, but for me, it it's really got to go down to three and a half stars out of five. And a lot of it has got to do with the fact, uh, some of the dates of when things happened are wrong again i still understand they have to they have to you know with what they wanted to add in there or put in there and then short film they had to add the stuff in quickly um but i think it as a motley crew fan it hurts uh the validity of the, the yeah the validity of the actual uh events that happened in the dirt or you know happened in real life um other than that you know, and I mean, the only kind of the only actor I thought really was, I mean, again, he did look like Vince. There's times he sounded like Vince, but a lot of times he was definitely struggling. There's times he had Vince have like a friggin' new, to me, a New York accent, which I didn't like because Vince was born and raised in Southern California. So if anything, Vince should have had more of one of those, you know, valley, valley style of, you know, la surfer yeah la surfer accents yep but i mean other than that you know i'll give it three and a half still you know 
it's not low. It's not too low. I don't think I, you know, it's still a great movie. It was, you know, for the fact that it was filmed, all filmed pretty much in New Orleans. Yes, that's true. They recreated a bunch of stuff in New Orleans to look like L.A. I thought it was really cool. It um, was, which really, that was the other shocking thing is when they said they filmed it all there in L.A. because most movies are filmed like in Canada nowadays. Right. And then the fact that, you know, they used, uh, they recreated a lot of this uh, costuming, especially with the shot, the double stuff, really looked really good. I mean, and, and again, another reason why the three and a half stars, um, if you, uh, and nothing, and again, it's just a little bit, a little ding on Douglas Booth. He didn't play bass exactly how Nikki played it. He was kind of, he's kind of, he kind of had, it was higher up on the, on the strings where Nikki is kind of lower on the strings. Yes. Which if you go back and look like at the shop's double era of Nikki six, um, and you watch any videos or even watch like looks at kill, you'll see his hands are kind of just a little bit lower down the strings where Douglas was up higher. But, other than that, I mean, they're, you know, uh, Colston or Machine Gun Kelly learning how to, you know, pretty much play drums and learning how to do all the stuff that Tommy does, you know, all the twirls and all that crap. That was pretty cool. Um, other than that, I mean, it, it's hard to give it a three and a half. I mean, I guess it would be kind of a high three and a half, maybe a 3.9. You know, I mean, it, it's close. My, for me, it's probably closer to four, but I'll stick with my three and a half because it really all just for the context itself it was it missed a lot with the context and again i know like you said at the end of the movie it did say some stuff was fictionalized obviously a lot of the names were fictionalized because they you know the girl that was squirting at the beginning they didn't call her um uh, uh bullwinkle they didn't call uh roxy elaine uh and then you know obviously you know beth was completely erased from the movie uh Pam Anderson, you know, Pamela, Pamela and Tommy's marriage was pretty much erased from the movie. Sylvia Rome was erased from the movie. Um, you know, a lot of stuff was definitely fictionalized. Uh, Tom Zutat, you know, supposedly is pissed off because Vince did have sex with his girlfriend when, in fact, in the book, Tom Zutat didn't care. You know, and, I, and I'll point that out next, the, next week when we do it. But this is definitely going going long. So I give it three and a half. You give it what again? Four and a half. All right. So there you go. Our opinions. And again, these are our opinions. And, you know, opinions are like buttholes. We all have one. That's true. You know, anyways, again, I still highly recommend everybody going out and seeing this movie. If you haven't, even though I know we really, we gave a little bit away, but not as much as I thought we would. Um, and I certainly heck didn't sit there and say, oh, spoiler alert. Pretty much it was, it was spoiler filled. Um, there are a lot of spoilers in it, so um, sorry I didn't give you that heads up, but you know whatever. You know we, we gave you, we gave you like two weeks warning that we we're gonna get do a spoiler a spoiler episode, and so but you know this is definitely gonna this is running along. We'll hit this next week exactly with uh, trying to we'll get some of the stuff out of the uh, the books, the dirt, Tommy Land, um, and I'll try to find my Vince Neil book. Um, tattoos and tequila we'll go over some of that stuff I'll go over get all that stuff kind of put together and we'll and plus we'll use the dirt itself and heroin diaries so we'll we'll try to get some of this stuff a little bit more what was really drugged out or really mocked out but we'll give some ideas in the book plus again go back to episode three of using the abuse you'll have my breakdown of 
again, Kim was involved in the show that's at that time. It was pretty much my podcast. Um, but you'll have my breakdown of the Too Fast for Love album. Plus, you will also uh, have my where I go through and I actually give you a lot of stuff that's taken right out of the dirt, the book. Which when I when we get ready to do Shop Double this year, which is our next out, which it will be our next Motley Crue album to do this year, and we will include a lot of stuff out of the dirt for Shop Double at the time. So, um be prepared for that and um otherwise after what we got two weeks until the year anniversary yes we do have two weeks before until the year anniversary so i guess if you're listening to this and you want to be part of the show or whatnot you know send me an email or you know yeah mainly email dm me twitter or facebook or whatever and we'll see what we can do to try to get you on the show if you want to be on the show you know maybe we'll you know ask you your top five artists or something you know, maybe we'll, I don't know, where you type five moments, I and mean, then that'll be a thing. We'll kind of go over some of our moments of the year. Um, you know, because Kim has li- Kim has listened to every episode, so she's got moment, her own moments. I've got my own moments, which were kind of cool. Um, or what I, you know, and kind of where we maybe hope to take the podcast from here. Um, but other than that, I think we're done. Okay. In- you think we're done? I think we're done. I think we pretty much covered the movie. Yeah, in the review. So next week we will try to do uh, the scenes versus the the book, and it won't be. I won't read the whole friggin' book. We'll just take bits and pieces out. They talk about some of the scenes. Yes, and a lot of, and it'll be clarified for everyone. So right now we're about three weeks away from our next album. Yes, we are. When we t- do our next album, and I think it might be Eddie and the Cruisers. Okay. I think, but we'll see if we're gonna do that and. Uh, do a movie review with that? You've never seen the movie Eddie and the Cruisers. No, I have not seen Eddie and the Cruisers. So we may have to do the movie and do the movie review and the soundtrack review. Yeah. We, so yeah. anyways, let's get out of here. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click the subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. It will help new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about hit this podcast. Thanks again to all our current and longtime listeners. Used and abused can be found on the following social media platforms. Twitter at Used Abused Pod. Facebook at Used Abused Pod. Tumblr, Used Abused Pod. Instagram, Used and Abused Pod. And is spelled out A-N-D. Email, Used and Abused Pod at gmail.com. Again, and is spelled out A-N-D. And on YouTube, just search out Used and Abused Pod. As always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode. So you can always click on those links as well. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Casts. Overcast. Breaker. 
CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. Please rate and review Used and Abused, a music podcast. Until the next episode. Have a great weekend. And a great work week. Be kind to everyone. And and keep keep the music playing. playing.